everybody, and welcome to your Final Score podcast, where you listen to the final word on any and all debate in sports today. With you, as always, is your boy Wyatt and Matty P. Yes, sir. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. It was an exciting weekend in sports. The Wimbledon wrapped up. Uh, Djokovic upsetting uh, Roger Federer in the finals. Right. Um, five, in five sets. In five sets. One of the longest finals, actually the longest final right. and, in, in men's tennis history at the Wimbledon. And it was just an awesome Wimbledon in general. Uh, Simona Halep upset Serena Williams in the women's final. Right. Uh, There's a lot of action. Coco Goff, the 16-year-old, makes it past the first two rounds uh, and into the third round. She was a great story. Uh, it was just an awesome, awesome tournament. Right. It, it brings the tennis back to – I mean, t- tennis has all these, uh, you know, names, big names, uh, especially in men's tennis and women's tennis. And for those finals to be as epic as they were, it just brings – uh, tennis back in the limelight again. You know, yeah, Djokovic, continues to be. Yeah, Djokovic kind of evens up that majors. Not doesn't even it up, but he he starts to close that gap on the on the major titles with right. Federer and Nadal, and th- that big three continues to dominate the men's game of tennis. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We are here to talk about Major League Baseball. Because that is right. We are in the middle of the season. We're in the middle of the season. As, as, as everybody has said, we are in the middle of the season. Middle of the season. There's no other sports to talk about, so we're here to talk <laughs> baseball. Um, and we're very excited about it. The All-Star break just ended. So now we're in the second half of the season. The trade deadline is just 14 days away. Right. Uh, so it's a very exciting time. Uh, a lot of the contenders are preparing to make moves um, and trying to separate themselves from the pack and hopefully win their divisions. Right. Um, after, after the trade deadline, this is where we see where the movement goes in the MLB. It's where right. it gets exciting. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and go division by division uh, and talk about who we think are the contenders, who we think are the teams that are going to end up as the division winners, and the teams that are probably the favorites to make the wild card. Right. Uh, Matty P, do you want to start or do you want me to go ahead and, and, and kick things off? Go ahead. Go with the uh, – uh, well, Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll go ahead and start out with the AL East. There you go. Because I think the Toronto Raptors are really in a tight race with the Baltimore Orioles for the worst spot. Toronto Blue Jays. And the, yeah, Toronto – what did I say? The Raptors. Oh, my. <laughs> See, I'm still in basketball mode. <laughs> I'm still in basketball mode, man. Yeah. I can't get over it. But we are, we are again, we are talking about baseball. I did promise. I did misspeak. It's the Toronto Blue Jays are in a tight race with the Baltimore Orioles for the worst record in the American League East. Um, so I think we're going to eventually take it. I, yeah. I think we're a, a deep slide, yeah. uh, just like I am as You're far as good, uh, saying the wrong names. Good spot to be the, <laughs> be the last place. Right. We're trying to get good, good draft picks, good draft selections. Uh, but anyways, I think that right now the AL East is, is is actually pretty competitive. The top three teams, the Red Sox, the Rays, and the Yankees. The Yankees, obviously, the number one team in the American League. Um, and they've done so in a very impressive fashion. They had a lot of injuries, and they've overcome it. You know, right. They had a lot of players that, not saying that they were surprises as far as their talent, but they're playing above what people thought they were going to be capable of. Gleyber Torres and Luke Voigt combining for about a two eighty nine batting average. And they're hitting over 100 RBIs for their team. I mean, right. that's very impressive for a team for players that are stepping up based on injuries. Aaron Judge just now getting back. Right. Guys like DJ LeMahieu and Gary Sanchez have been holding it down until John Carlos Stanton comes back. It's, it's amazing that how successful they have been with with Stanton and right and Severino, their yeah. pitcher out. I mean, they have been a team despite all of their setbacks that has really shocked the baseball world they had that great streak of consecutive games with home runs right this Yankees team is very exciting uh, and they're kind of one of the major players you know a lot of like other teams but they're a team that I think is going to be aggressive at the trade deadline 
and bring in a starting pitcher. Madison Bumgarner is a name I've heard. Marcus Stroman's a name that I've heard. Uh, the guy Wheeler from the New York Mets is a name that they've been talking about. So I think the Yankees are going to be that team that lands that big deal. It's just a matter of time. Right. And then when they do, they're going to be a true contender. I think um, they're going to be one of the best teams in the American League. I don't know if they're going to be the one seed, right. uh, but I think that they have, they're definitely in the driver's seat to win the division. Um, as for the second place team in the AL East, I think the Tampa Bay Rays, I mean, this is a team that won 90 games last year. And a lot of people forget that they did because they're in the same division with the Ray, or sorry, the Red Sox right. and the Yankees who both won 100 games and the Red Sox obviously won the World Series. But the Rays are a team that has been building and building and building and staying relevant for a long time. Mm-hmm. And now they're, they were, they led the American League, the American League East for much of the season. But now the Yankees, when they when they really took off, they've kind of taken that backseat. But the bread and butter of this Rays team is their pitching. Blake right. Snell, Charlie Morton have been very good, both, you know, off of the Cy Young year, uh, Cy Young Award winning year for Blake Snell. He's kind of struggled, but Charlie Morton has really stepped up and been their best pitcher this year. I think they're kind of in the middle of the ballpark and they're hitting. But I think if they're a team that pitches well plays good defense, which they do, right. and they're, they are eighth in the league in hitting. So in the postseason when games are tighter and, and, and there's, they're, they're, they're lower scoring games, normally the pitchers are throwing their best stuff. As long as you can get hits and play good defense, you're going to have a shot. Yeah. I think the Rays late in the season are going to be able to make a push and be a wild card team in the American League. Yeah, definitely. Um, Matty P., go ahead and take this time to talk about your twins yes, over in the AL Central who have been playing fantastic. I'm a twins fan, you got to talk about the AL Central leaders. So – um, the Twins, they're uh, 58 and 35 on the season. Uh, definitely not expected, you know, at no, begin, beginning not. beginning of the uh, season. Um, the Cleveland Indians were definitely the the front runner to win the AL Central this year. Um, but you know, it's you know the Twins. The Twins are doing well. Uh, we got Odorizzi at, playing well, uh, pitching well. Um, we have Barrios play, uh, pitching well. Uh, Polanco on the hitting sides. Polanco, Buxton. Um, uh, yeah, so then they're, they're hitting really, really well. Um, I'm I'm super excited for this this race though because they're six and a half games ahead of the Cleveland Indians. Uh, the Indians, they're a sneaky team, you know, and right. they they definitely have the experience to they've made it to the playoffs multiple years um, in, in a row. And I'm I, I'm kind of. I'm hesitant because I'm like the twin. The twins are playing well, playing well, but they have to be consistent. They have to stay consistent, and the, the Indians are right there on the back door, six and a half games behind. Um, in terms of the trade deadline, uh, the Cleveland Indians are definitely, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Cleveland Indians are a team that is. They've been to the postseason multiple years in a row. They're a team that knows how to win, so they're always going to be that sneaky team that can st- that can steal the AL Central from a Minnesota team that is young. Right. They're very unproven. They're the, their team. They're the team that's leading ML- the MLB in home runs. So there's there's an element of flukiness to this team that they need to kind of like take the AL Central, you know, yeah. and, and 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 really own it. Um, but they, they like you were saying in the production meeting beforehand was. You were talking about the, the Twins just got to win. They got to beat the teams that they, that they need to beat. Right, exactly. They need to be consistent. Like I said, they, they are, they're playing well, but they need to continue beating the teams that they need to beat because uh, it's, it's a long season. MLB is a long season, and, you know, six and a half games is not, not too long. So, right. Well. Take a look over at the AL West. Um, a team that's not going to have any problem staying consistent is the Houston Astros. They have been one of the best teams in baseball all season long. Um, they're 
leading the AL West. I believe they're 58 games on the season, 58 wins, and they have been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, George Springer misses 27 games in the middle of the season, and that was their worst stretch of the year. They went 15 and 12 right. in his absence, but he was having an MVP season for the Houston Astros. And now when, when he's back in the lineup, it becomes one of the deadliest lineups in baseball. And I looked and looked at the team stats across the board. They're top 10 in basically everything. They're top 10 in batting. They're top 10 in pitching. They're top 10 in fielding. This team doesn't really have that much of a weakness. And I, I think they're my favorite to win the World Series. If, I, right. if I'm picking a team, I'm picking the Houston Astros because, you know, top to bottom on their lineup, they can all hit. They can all hit for power. And their pitchers are as good as any. Justin Verlander, uh, Jarrett Cole, and Millie are playing fantastic for them, both over 100 uh, innings pitched this season, or all three over 100 innings pitched this season. They're a team that is dangerous, and they, they have the championship pedigree. They won a World Series two seasons ago, and they kind of had a, a, a weird season last year where they got banged up and, and they struggled in the postseason, but they're a team that will, I think, bounce back this year and make a big-time run for the World Series. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if there's anybody in the AL West that can challenge them. The athletics, I mean, they're hanging around, but I think they need to make a move. Uh, to really push, you know, push themselves to push the Astros, and I think the uh, the Texas Rangers, though having a great season, right. uh, you they've overachieved. Their, yeah, they've overachieved, and you look at their run differential. I think it's like plus fourteen, plus twelve. Um, so they're really they're scraping by, and they're, and they're they're beating teams, you know, by the skin of their teeth. Whereas the Astros and the Athletics are beating teams by eighty runs. Right. So this 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 race is not as compelling as others. I think the AL West is pretty much the Astros, um, the Astros division right now, which sucks because I think that the, the Mike Trout, if Mike Trout just had anything, right, in in, in Anaheim, they would just, be a, it'd be a team. It's a yeah, crime that right. he doesn't have a team uh, to play with. Well, t- talking about hottest teams in baseball, I think the Dodgers in the NL West um, is the best team in baseball. Uh, they're Agreed. 63 and 34 on the season. They're plus their the run differential is 147, best in the league. And they're 37 games at home. Uh, they've won 37 games at home, which is the best in the league as well. Um, Bellinger is, you know, playing lights out this year. Uh, he's top five in every category, it seems like. And they, it seems like they want to get better, too. At the trade deadline, they're looking for uh, pitchers. Um, another, a, a name that came to mind was uh, – or they're pitching – they're looking for pitchers. But to add on to that, like – they already have great pitchers, you know, right. Kershaw, you know, Rury, uh, they have Bueller, uh, all get guys with great records. Um, Clayton is eight and two on the season. Uh, Rury is 10 and two and Bueller is eight and one. Uh, and so obviously their rec- their 63 game, uh, the record is, you know, predicated on their pitching. Um, in terms of the Rockies, uh, I think they're going to be the, you know, sneaky team to get into the wild card this year. Uh, they, uh, although they're 16 games behind, uh, and they're also third in in the West yeah. behind the Diamondbacks, um, I think they have the firepower with Arenado and and company to, um, you know, make a push because they that's a team that has needs pitching like it's you no, know, <laughs> like like it's the, like tomorrow they're like the second they, worst team in they, baseball. They're the second worst team in baseball in pitching. The ERA they don't have a guy below 2.63 on ERA, uh, or they only have one guy that's uh, under uh, underneath 2.63 ERA. And it's – but they're fifth 
in batting average and in home runs, which they're is actually better than the Dodgers. They're better than the Dodgers and the Yankees. Right. So they're there's there's a team that's a team that I just saw like in the top five is like the Rockies. Like I, I know they've they've been playing well like offensively, but like if they can get it going and they can just be at least top fifteen in, in ERA, um, they can they could have easily competed with the Dodgers for the actual race. Right. Um, so super exciting for the for the NL like wild card. Yeah. Um, so uh, what what's the next one? Uh, I'm gonna take I'm gonna go ahead and take the NL East uh, because I like the Braves. I think with with the Toronto Blue Jays not being in it, I think I might have to hop on the Atlanta Braves uh, bandwagon and, and support them. I got a lot of friends that are Braves fans, so I uh, I'm I'm on the Acuna train. I'm on the Freddie Freeman train, and hopefully the Atlanta Braves. There's been a lot of trade rumors that they might send. Uh, they might send prospects or you know something for Marcus Stroman right. uh, to add to their starting rotation, which I think would be awesome. That gives me somebody to cheer for for the Braves. But I think right now the NL East is the Braves' division to lose. I think they are the best team in that division right now. They have the youngest roster. They have the most talented roster uh, as far as their lineup, one through right. seven, one through eight. I think they're still trying to tune out that seven and eight spot, find that consistent seven and eight hole hitter, and obviously the nine hitter is their pitcher. Right. Um, but Freddie Freeman's been fantastic for them he's leading the team in everything and uh, not something that i expected ronald acuna is uh bouncing not bouncing back but following up his fantastic rookie right. season i mean the last 290 yeah last 15 games I've, I've just all i've seen is braves win braves win braves right. win again braves and like i was very surprised of how much separation they have in the yeah. east. i mean they're they're playing great and you know, much like other contenders, I think the Atlanta Braves just need to add that starting pitcher at the deadline. They need to make that last move to really put them over the top and, and secure their lead in their division. I think Stroman's a candidate, and then all the other guys that are on the market, guys like um, Minor, guys like um, Kirby Yates from the San Diego Padres, guys like Madison Bumgarner, potentially. I, mean, I don't know if they have the ability to pull him from the Giants, but right. there are a lot of pitchers out there that teams are trying to unload, and the Braves have to get one of them. Uh, to really to really round out that rotation in the postseason. But I like them a lot. Um, as far as the, the second best team in the NL East, I, I, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird because the Phillies and the Nationals are only two and a half games apart from each other, but they're both trending in completely different directions. Nationals over the last 30 games have won 22 and eight, whereas the Phillies have won 12 and 18. Or they, right. they went 12 and 18 over 30 games. So one team is clearly trending up, one one team is trending down. Um, and the Nationals right now, if you look at their roster, they're really in the bottom third in a lot of the hitting categories. Yeah. They're not they're not a great average. They're not getting a lot of home runs. Um, but their pitching is what's really been carrying them. Matt Scherzer, um, oh, excuse me, Strasburg and Corbin have all been playing great. They've all three thrown over 100 innings. Wow. And all three of them are averaging 10 strikeouts or more per nine innings. I think Scherzer's actually averaging 12 per nine innings. So wow. this this team is really heavy on their pitching. And again, that's a that's a that's a side of the ball in baseball that if your pitching is consistent and you limit teams from scoring, if you're not great at putting up runs yourself, it keeps you in ball games. As yeah. long as you play good defense and as long as you get hits, timely hits when you need them, your pitching can get you through, especially in the postseason. I like the Nationals to be the second best team in the NL East. Potentially, if they get hot, could push the Braves, who are kind of like the Twins. They're right. a young team. Right. They haven't really proven too much. The Nationals could kind of challenge them in the race, but I think the Braves and the Nationals are the two teams that could win the NL East. And if they don't win the NL East, the other right. team will be a wild card. It's, it's exciting that in baseball that there's different there are new teams that are like arising. Right. You know, like it's not the same old, same old. And like 
the, you know, even the Red Sox are like not necessarily they're in contention, but they're, you know, like third or fourth in, in the AL East. Like it's, it's crazy. It's crazy yeah, that it's, there's, it's, it's, it's the, fun. <laughs> it's one of the best things about baseball is the Perry that there's, there's every single year there's a new team that can, that can come out of the woodworks and can play good. And it, it, there's always a new team that's in the World Series or that's winning a World Series. You, it's so hard to predict because right. it's such a long season and there's so many different things that can go wrong or can go right over right. the course of a baseball game. I mean, good teams lose to bad teams all the time in, in baseball. That's that's why they have so many losses at the end of the season. So. Right. And Matty P., I'm going to go ahead and let you round it off because, yeah. I mean, this is the division that I'm sure somebody that's watching is going to be very critical of. So right. you better say the right things here. I know, I know. Uh, so here's your shout out, Hannah. This is my girlfriend is a huge Cubs fan. So, uh, yeah, she <laughs> she's probably really happy that I'm talking about uh, the, the NL uh, Central now. Um, the NL Central is the uh, tightest race, and it's going to be the most exciting finish, definitely in the oh, yeah. in, NL. Uh, every other division, no matter what, um, no matter what, like uh, yeah, no matter what it is, it's there's there's a lot of separation. Whereas in NL Central, like, like there, five there's games. five five teams, six and a half games. Right. So any team can 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 potentially win it. Even the Cincinnati Reds, who's last in place, they're six and a half games behind. Um, so I, <laughs> I I know that they just signed Kimbrel this year, um, and they they just got rid of Montgomery. They're the Cubs are making moves, and I'm I'm super excited for that 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 franchise because it's <laughs> it's like they they have a potential to get David Peralta and like I think that's a huge move for them if, if they end up doing that um it adds a hitter which would pair, be good paired up with Jay, uh, Jay Hay, uh, Jason Hayward and uh also they also can go bullpen route too right. so the, the the Cubs are have been kind of disappointing this year um they had a lot of hype going the season just like the Cleveland Indians but they've they've stayed at the top of the NL Central by by the skin of their teeth though so right. it's if they make some moves here at the trade deadline i think it's a, a team that can definitely soar um but at, when it's all said and done i think milwaukee kind of overtakes them i know they're two and a half games behind the cubs right now and they were the, at the they were in nlcs last year they have playoff experience um christian yelich is playing out of his mind just like bellinger they're having great years this year and if they have the chance to get Bobby Ray from the the, the Diamondbacks and Marcus Stroman. They're they're in talks with yeah. Marcus Stroman as well from the Tigers too. So they if they can get him at a relatively cheap price, um, I think they overtake the Cubs. The Cubs have played well at like at everything, but hasn't excelled on any like right, statistic. So you. they're they're just they're they're just hanging on there and i so but i think milwaukee takes it but i think it's it's definitely a close a close finish at the end probably two or three games separating the team milwaukee's in the first and the cubs in the second um so yeah i there's, it's a, it's there's a my lot of I, I i agree with you on the brewers that christian yelich is i mean they've, they've been struggling but christian yelich has been having a great year i mean he's the guy that can carry that team you know i yeah. think he's if the Brewers can get it right, if they can get on a roll, they, right. they're definitely a competitor. They, they have they're they're a team that haven't really got their stride yet. Yeah. So and, and they're a team that were in the NLCS. Right. So it's it it's only a matter of time that you know in the next ten fifteen games 
you see they go on a little stretch here, and it's going to be a tight race with the Cubs, and it's exciting, really yeah, exciting. That's going to be a fun division to watch. Um, again, thank you guys for those that have tuned in so far. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break for our Apple Podcast and SoundCloud listeners. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to talk uh, Florida State football because how how far away are we from college football, Matty P? Thirty eight days. 30, that's a month, Matty yeah. P. A, five, month. a little higher than five and a half weeks. A little a little more than a month yeah. from college football. So when we come back, we're going to talk that ACC media day was today. Yes. So we're going to talk a little bit about our expectations for our football team uh, next season. So stick around. We'll be right back. I don't want to text you anymore. I just want to stop this civil war. Baby, please, please call my phone. I don't want to text you anymore. I just want to stop this Well, welcome this back to your Final Score podcast. Baby, you're please. joining back from SoundCloud and Apple Podcast. Yeah. Welcome back. We were just talking some MLB standings. And now we're going to segue to football, Matty P. My favorite sport. Football. Which are how many days away are we again, Matty P? 38. 38 days away? Yes. So we're a little over a month away from college football. ACC Media Day was today. Uh, we sent Marvin Wilson, Tamar and, Tanner, Tamar and Terry, excuse me, and Willie Taggart up for ACC Media Day to kick it off. Taggart was the first one to speak of all the coaches. Um, I'm excited for, for football to be back in general, but I'm also very excited to see year two of Willie Taggart at oh, Florida yeah. State. I think this team, yes, did they have a bad season? They went five and seven. Yes, they did. Did they miss the first bowl game? In 36 years? In 36, yes, they did. They were bad. Their offensive line struggled. It was a new, a t- totally new culture, a totally new regime right. that Willie Taggart had to install at Florida State. But I think after a full year. I mean, there's transitional year, pains like this. Right. I think after a full year, he's got guys in his locker room now that are bought into what he's trying to in- instill at Florida State. Right. And I think once he has another full season with these guys, he'll really start being in the right direction. I think this team – is, is going to be dangerous. Matty P, what do you think about this offseason? What was the biggest thing about this offseason that gives you hope for Florida State this year? I mean, the acquisition of Cliff – or not Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> not Cliff oh, Kingsbury. man, we're, we're, both, we're both swinging and missing the day. I'm calling the Blue Jays the Raptors. I know. We, we got Cliff Kingsbury on the staff at Florida State. Oh, sorry. <laughs> they're, they're the same guy, right? Kendall, they're both offensive Yeah, they're both offensive groups. Anyway, uh, yeah, Kingsbury is going to be – Probably like that's going to be a whole experiment over in Arizona, but that's another day for another time. Anyway, Kendall Bryles. So he uh, picked up Kendall Bryles um, in the offseason. I think that's going to really uh, create more productivity, especially on the offensive side. We lacked that last year. We couldn't really get anything going. The running game was not not there. Um, on the defensive side, I'm excited because we have eight starters coming back. So it's uh, maybe there's, there's going to be some like you know, maybe some leadership there. You know, yeah. I, I feel like we were lacking leadership on both sides of the ball. Um, Blackman, I think he's going to take the next step too as a leader, uh, the quarterback for Florida State, if, if you don't know who that is. Um, and they, he's been kind of in the shadows, you know, with DeAndre Francois and, um, you know, there's so much uncertainty with like, who do we go with, who we do not. He played well one in one game that he started last year, you know, threw up 400 yards and we're like, where, where'd he go, you know? Right. So, I, I'm super excited because I think he's going to excel in Kendall, Kendall Bryles' offense. Um, also, the ACC is going to be down this year. I agree. So there's a lot of transition, coaching transitions, uh, different lo- locating spots like, you know, Miami with Manny Diaz, uh, Louisville got a new coach, uh, Georgia Tech got a new coach. North Carolina, got North, a new Car- coach. North Carolina has Mac Brown now. So it's, it's a 
it's a crazy time because they were saying that Syracuse and Virginia have a legit chance to be two in or three. two or three in, in the ACC. And, I mean, if Syracuse and Virginia are, you two know, three. two or three, two or three, that means ACC, they don't really know what's going, going down. Right. You have the Clemson at the pinnacle, obviously, the national championship um, winners last year and consistent program. But who's that team that's going to be two and three? Because I don't, I don't think it's going to be Syracuse or Virginia. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's there's a lot of up and down with the ACC this year. We have the new ACC network, so that's great too. It's going to yeah. bring the brand there too. So, um, I I'm excited for Florida State because they'll take they'll I think they'll take advantage of that. I think they have a winnable schedule this year, and if we, yeah we go down through the schedule, it's we're like oh my god, like win, winnable game, oh winnable game. Um, so do you want to do that? Yeah, let's take a look at the schedule. I mean, I, I do like your point about James Blackman. I think once you finally give him the keys to the offense, because I think after the first, I think after the third or fourth start of his freshman year, the locker room was like, this is the guy. Right. Whether he's winning or losing, this is the guy we want to play for because he is that team guy, and he sets he sets the tone in the locker room. And when you have a quarterback that has control of the locker room, your team is different. Yeah, Like when the quarterback is the voice – not when it's a defensive end or when it's a, a, a tight end or a receiver. When your best player in the locker room, when the guy that you follow is the quarterback, it completely changes everything, in my opinion. And James yeah. Blackman is that guy. So let's go ahead and t- take a look at that schedule. Florida State, like you, as you're saying, I mean, there's there's a lot of winnable games here. I think the neutral site game to start the year against Boise State, they're a, a perennial top 25. You know, n- maybe not finish at the top 25, but every every year they're in the top 25 at right. some point. Right. Uh, and they're on the road more so right it's it's a long trip always winning in the whack so it's a long trip from them uh from idaho to jacksonville yeah it's more of a home game for us (laughs) Uh, it's actually technically a home game for us even though it's a neutral site um i I think that's a winnable game and i think that's a must-win game i think it is i I think it's a must-win game sets the tone is that's the tone for this new era um it's i mean i'm just I, we need to win that game because, yeah, because it completely it, if we go zero and one and then we start getting on this trail of like you know two and three uh, going into Clemson, it's it's not going to be pretty. We, it will be in the same situation we did last year. So, you know, we, we have a winnable game at a neutral site, but it's technically it's pretty much a home game, and it's against a top you know perennial like competitive team, and who's always been like consistently good and. It's it's a good test. It's a good test to see right. if our leaders have developed. If we are, you know, Kendall Bryles, has, you know, brings his his offense and see if it works. So, uh, first game is key. But yeah, I I think that's a toss up. I think it's either a win or a loss. Right. I, I think, think we, either way. I think it's probably a win. I think we win like tight, probably like a touchdown game. I'm assuming. Um, ULM is the second game at home. That's, that's a win. We got to beat ULM at home. On the road at Virginia, I think that's kind of a funky game because we don't really play them that often. Right. It's a weird draw for us. The last time, I can't remember the last time we went to Virginia to play them. I, I honestly can't. I mean, we, I, yeah. I wasn't a student. I know that for a fact. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 a, that's a coastal game that like they they draw every year. It's different every year. So Virginia, I, I the last time we played them was probably five or six years ago. Yeah, I was probably still. And that was school. that was at home. I'm assuming because it's always alternating. So right, and it's a it's a weird draw. But again, I mean, they're listed as a, as a potential second or third team. They had a good year last year to start the year, and it kind of fizzed out at the end. Right, finished seven and five. It, it should be a win. Right, it, talent wise, talent wise, there's no comparison. Florida State has the talent 
to beat Virginia on the road. Yeah. So if you're looking at that schedule, that's potentially 3-0 at this point if you beat Boise State. Then versus Louisville at home, they're one of the worst teams in the ACC. They have a brand-new coach. Right. And that should be a win. At home, it's 100% a win. After, yeah. After Lamar Jackson left, it kind of just right. I, just, we we uh, went. They went into Florida State mode. Right. <laughs> they went. Into, they went into rebuild mode. Yeah. Um, the next game, NC State, a, a potential. You know, a usually a trap game for us when it's on the road. We get them at home this year, which is nice. Yeah. And they're also younger than they were last year. This isn't the same NC State team over the last two years that we've accustomed to. They're coming back down to earth a little bit. It's probably the best time to beat them right now, right. and we get them at home. Right, they they don't have uh, Finley anymore. They don't have Bradley Bradley Chubb anymore. Yeah. I mean, both their leaders on both sides of the ball are gone. They're not in rebuild mode because they're like they're they're up there in the ACC. Like you know, probably third or fourth best team in the ACC in my opinion after Florida State and all that. But or probably fifth. But it's like they this is a good year to catch them slipping a little bit. Right. It's, it's, it should be a winnable game. At now, home. if we're playing at NC State, it's a little bit different because we never like to play in Raleigh. So. Right. It's a trap game for us every time we're there. Um, but potentially, I mean, if we're looking at this, that's a potential 5-0 and star or a 4-1 and star, depending on what Boise State does to us yeah. in the first game. But that's a potential 4-1 or 5-0 and star heading into Death Valley against Clemson. I mean, that is – And a bye week. Off of, in a bye week before that, correct. So if we go into Clemson with a 5-0 and record or a 4-1 and record – we're going to be ranked around the 17, 16, 15 spot, depending on where we start. I think we're actually starting in that area. So we could potentially climb even up closer to 13, 12, 11 right. going into Clemson. And that, I mean, not saying we're going to beat Clemson, right. but if we go in there with more of a confidence in ourselves, it's definitely going to be a better game because right. historically we've competed with them. Oh, definitely. The last three, like scratch last year because that was atrocious. But you can also scratch, you know, when – when, when we, we blew won, them out. When we blew them out in the national championship year, we, they both won national championships. Or we both – we won one, they won one. We we both uh, blew each other out on on, 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 on opposing – Yeah, home uh, fields. On, on the opposing. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, okay. they, they went on the home field and beat them. Yeah. So, it's – you just scratch those years. But, um, you know, the three years before then when, when Clemson beat us, it was always a one-possession, two-possession game at the end of the game. So, we always competed well up to the fourth quarter, but – uh, I, I think Clemson's talent just kind of it prevails. Prevails, but in this this year, I think Clemson Clemson's going to be a little down on the defensive side. I mean, I I don't know how they're they're they've always they've been recruiting really well the last two years, but they're going to have a lot of young guys on that defense. They had three defensive linemen that got drafted in the top seventeen picks, right? Um, you know, Lawrence and et cetera, et cetera. But they uh, that. Dexter Lawrence, not Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> not Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is still there. He's yeah. still going to kick the crap out of us. Right. Um, so offensive side, like Trevor Lawrence is, you know, and it, pro- probably a Heisman contender, uh, Heisman favorite with tag- Tua Tagovailoa. So uh, offense, I'm not – I'm Clemson, I'm not worried about that. But defensively, I think Kendall Bryles with this new offense can kind of take advantage of that yeah. young defense. And it gives us a shot. It gives us a shot. And I, when it's all said and done, I think – I think Clemson beats us, but it's going to be, I think, a two-touchdown, three-touchdown game, depending on depending on how we start, how we start that season. Because right. if we're three and two going to there, or two and three, we're oh, not, God. not competing with that. We're going to get a roll. <laughs> we <Yeah>. are. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be rough. But I think again, like we like we said in the schedule, that's potential five and zero oh or a four and one start going right. into that game. Let's just say we lose to Clemson because they are the favorite right. in the ACC. They're, they're probably a favorite to-, to win the national championship. Yeah. So we're going to say it's a loss for right now. Then you got to follow that up with at Wake Forest. That should be a win. 100% that should be a win. Right. Then you get Syracuse at home. 
which is again, crucial. Again, another tough team in the ACC at home that, you know, we don't have to go and face them on their home field like an NC State. Right. We get both of those teams in Dope Campbell. I mean, I like our chances in that game. Yeah, you don't want, yeah, you don't want to play the Syracuse, the Georgia Techs, the NC States in their, uh, building. Hey, in their building because they have one of the best chances to beat us because we, you know, we've been kind of, uh, that's where our leadership kind of lacks in, in, in some in last year. So yeah. like we couldn't really get over that hump of like beating those teams. So, but I think, you know, you get, you get those teams at, at home with a, I mean, Syracuse at home, I think we can beat them, even though they're the second best team in the ACC, like uh, preseason. I mean, that's a win. I think it's a win. Then we got Miami at home, a team that we should have beat the last two years. Anyways, I, Losing to Miami as a Florida State fan, as a Florida State player, as a Florida State anything should be the worst feeling in the world, and it definitely was the last two years, yeah. especially in the way that we lost. I mean, we got robbed on the we got robbed on the the lateral or the the halfback pass, the right. wide receiver pass from DJ Matthews. That was a touchdown. I understand that we still put ourselves in a position to lose, but that was a touchdown. We got robbed the year before that. I mean, that was a weird game too, yeah. where we just kind of let them run the. You know, throw the ball all over us with Razier. Um, these are Miami is not not as good as what they all say. You know, they, they they've had two seasons where they start off great, they've beaten us, and then they have completely fallen. But they apart. played nobody. Like they had played nobody until they actually played somebody, and then they just got. You know, remember the year they played Clemson in the ACC championship, lost thirty three, and got completely outplayed because they weren't. They weren't supposed to be in that game. Right, right, because that was the year that they had the turnover chain. Right. And, like, they were winning all those games because Offense. of the turnovers. Right. Because of the fluke plays. And you and you can't base how good a defense is off of turnovers. No. That's not how that That's works. It's a 50-50 shot every time you win a game if, if you're having five turnovers. You should win the game if you have five, five right. turnovers. <laughs> right. Exactly. If, you, if, you, if you're getting three picks a game, you shouldn't yeah. be losing. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we get back on track and beat Miami. Manny right? Diaz, their new coach there. That so is also true. First-year coach. So it's – and they're – the, the Perry or the Nicosi Perry, I think that's who he's, who's going to start this year. I don't think he's been proven. Well, they also got well, Martell, right? Yeah, Tate Martell as well. Um, but I, it's just, I, I don't believe in Miami at all this year. Um, I can't believe in Miami. I can't. I, no, I know that, but I'm saying just as an unbiased fan, like Miami yeah. hasn't proved. They don't scare me. Yeah, they don't scare me this year. They've beaten us twice in a row. They don't scare me. Yeah. They shouldn't have beat us twice in a row. Uh, I think that's a win at home. Uh, then we go on the road at Boston College. At this point, we would be a one-loss team going to Boston College. I think we get up for that game. I don't. And we obviously had that that problem two years ago. We didn't get up against Boston College. Well, we got, got thirty-five to three. Yeah, got spanked by them on the road. I don't think that'll be a problem this time around. Uh, we beat them last year with Taggart. It was a close game, but we beat them. And I think that's a winnable game, depending on the way the schedule has already been mapped out. Right. I think we'll have a reason to win that game, and we'll take care of business. Then we come home against Alabama State. I'm not even gonna. We're not even gonna talk about that game. That's if we're if we are what nine and one, ten and one. That's a yeah. yeah if we're ten and one at the no nine think, and one, nine and one. If we're nine Brooks and one, get some snaps in that game. I think Hornibrook gets some action there. He might start that game. Yeah. If we're nine and one going into the Alabama State game, we will beat them by like that's a dub. And that brings sixty-five us, points. <laughs> that brings the dub, and that brings us to the last game of the season against Florida, another rival. We spent some time talking about Miami there, but. Florida, yeah. you know, Florida's definitely scarier than Miami, in right. my opinion. I think they're New Year's Six Bowl last year with Dan Mullen, his first year. And Mullen's a better coach than right. Diaz by far. Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that they're scarier. I think their defense is going to be scarier. Right. Um, I'm you, not scared by the quarterback. You think it's a winnable game? 
on the road at Florida is hard, man. Yeah. Especially with the way we didn't compete last year. It, it, we were in the game, it, like most games, for, for the first half. Like, we were competing with them. And then they, their running game just tore us apart. Yeah. And we could not run the ball. We could not get any push off the line of scrimmage last year. Florida's a hard game. I think it's a toss-up. I think it's kind of like Boise State where right. it's like it's a win or a loss. But if um, we are, you know, 10-1 and one, at that point, at that point, like, the fire might be there. You know, I, I, I mean, it should be there for Florida right. State. You, you have a chance to be – to finish 11-1 and one potentially. Yeah. Um, I think we end up – I think we end up losing that game because it's at Florida – um, and Dan Mullen, he, he's, he's on the right track with Tagger. I think he's in the same like realm where they're, he's building a team and Florida did so much better last year. they they have a bunch of guys coming back. I know, I don't believe in Felipe Franks, Absolutely not. but their defense and their running game has proven that they, they can win some games, not only against us, but also the SEC too. So, oh. um, I mean, it's, <laughs> did I miss Wimbledon? <laughs> yeah, you missed Wimbledon, Joe. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think we I think we lose that game and finish the season ten and two, which is a hell of a lot better than last year. So so let's say theoretically we we finish ten and two, or if we lose, let's say we lose to Boise State. By the way, we remember or that's, or that's, Syracuse or something. Or, sorry, that's yeah. nine and three. Right. But that's I mean, a nine win season is 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 is. I mean, thinking about what we endured last year <laughs> at five and seven, I mean that is something that would be a huge step forward Definitely. for this program. And I think that that jumpstarts Taggart's era here. I think that reinforces everything he's been doing since he's gotten here, which is recruit the right guys, bring in guys that are buying in to the culture, guys who are buying into the legacy of Florida State, doing it the right way, being in the classroom, being right. good leaders, studying film, you know, by, like knowing the schematics, not just coming out here and trying to beat people with talent. Taggart is about the process of building these guys right. And being complete men, not right. being just stud football players. He wants these guys to be well-rounded people. And I think a season like this, a nine and three season, that completely, like I said, reinforces his message and jump starts his career. Right. I know, I know, people were talking about like Tiger and his like his record is not necessarily that good coming into Florida State, but the second year is where he really takes those that that's that next step for right. his teams because. I mean, look how awful USF was, and then they end up winning nine and three, and went going nine and three, and doing well. And Oregon, they turned their program around after all that national championship stuff, and with so it's it wins don't necessarily mean that like they're it doesn't mean like it means progress, but it doesn't mean it's like all all everything. If you know what I'm saying, like it's like a 10 win season for Florida state after what we went through last year would, be, would, would crazy. be crazy. It would be instrumental for the next coming years because that's how you build a program. It's not like, yeah, <laughs> I think realistically nine wins or eight wins. I mean, it's a success. Right. It should be a success. And with this, with this schedule, I mean, eight to nine wins is not unrealistic in my opinion. Right. Um, I think the biggest thing that Taggart did that impressed me and that gives Florida state fans like, real confidence in this dude is last year he came in as an offensive guru. There's a lot of expectation that his offense, the Gulf Gulf coast offense was going to be this big thing. And they were going to like revamp it after we had a really bad offense the year before. Um, and he, he realized, I, I think he realized that he can't run the offense and oversee defense and oversee special teams and oversee recruiting. Like, as a head coach, you kind of have to take that step back and surround yourself with coordinators and I think the addition, like you said earlier, with Kendall Bridles was huge. 
because you have a guy that can run the offense. You still obviously have final say right? because you're the head coach, you're the boss. But having a guy that's in charge of that, and then you can go over there and work with the DBs. You can go over there and work with the linebackers. You can go over there and oversee the special teams game if we've been, you know, if Ricky's not kicking the ball well. You can get on him. Right. You know, there, there's all these things that, that Taggart can do now that his hands aren't tied anymore with the offense. He has a legitimate guy in the offensive room that can put together that game plan and, and execute it. Right. Um, and I think surrounding himself with talent instead of trying to do it himself right. was a huge move that, you know, makes him look good. I mean, it, technically, okay, so if we go 10-2 and two and we lose to Clemson in Florida, right, that means we would only have one loss in the ACC. And if Clemson, it, they go through a large, a, a daunting schedule this True, year they do. as a national champion. Uh, defending, national <laughs> champion. defending national champion. Um, if they end up losing to a game, like a, a slip-up game, you know, say a Syracuse or something like that, um, then we're in the contention for the ACC championship potentially. Absolutely. So, like, even if we lost to Florida, or even if we lost to Boise State, like matter. those are not those are non-conference games. So, it's and if we lose to Clemson, it's not the end of the world. Clemson has had in the past, you know, had have slip-up games. You know, the Pittsburgh games. What I think about Syracuse, Syracuse a couple game. years ago. So it's last year they <clears throat> they ran through everybody at the fifteen and zero, but. That's not that's not realistic every year. Yeah, and looking at their schedule, I mean, obviously they have the Florida State game with us, which will be a tough game the way we see it. Right. Going through that schedule earlier, and they had to go at Syracuse week three of the season after playing Texas A&M at home. Texas A&M is not going to be a cakewalk, and that's going to be a game that pushes them. Jimbo Fisher and Dabo Sweeney have had epic clashes in the past. Right. These two guys are going to go at it with these teams, and I think. Again, if they lose to Texas A&M, it doesn't matter if it's their ACC record. But that is a kind of game that shocks a defending national champion. Right. And, it, and, it, and it takes a toll on you. And you got to follow that up on the road in the Carrier Dome at Syracuse, a team that has had success against you in the past. That might be a game you drop if you right. lose to Texas A&M. Yes. That might be a game that they ride that momentum, your, your bad momentum, should I say. <laughs> they, they kick you while you're down almost. And then later on in the season, you close out one of the last three weeks at NC State, right. a huge trap game because NC State, you know, maybe they're not the great team, but they are a team that that's that's their national yeah. championship. Yeah, that, that, that's their one one of the season that right. shocks the world. <clears throat> right, if they haven't beaten anybody through weeks <laughs> one through eleven or one through ten, I mean, that, they're running out of games to upset somebody. So I think that might be the one they do it. Yeah. Uh, so I, th- you know, Clemson, like you said, they have a tough schedule, and and if we if we compete and if we win the ACC games we're supposed to win, yeah, <clears throat> it could be the cards are in our favor. Yeah, I. All said and done, we're, we've, we've been going well over our time here, hitting the 47-minute mark, our longest episode. This is what happens when you guys talking about football. We just talk for an hour, and it's, you know, it's it's uncont- it's uncontrollable. But, <laughs> you know, long story short, we're, we're really excited about Florida State football. We can't wait for football to be back in general, uh, pro or college. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're, we're excited. 38 we, days. 38 days. We believe in Taggart. Yeah. Go Taggart. I mean, I, I, I'm all for it. I, I really think – all the fans that are upset, they have a reason to be upset because, yeah, we, we weren't good, and we're not used to being good. Florida State is a program that, that you know, for 36, 37 years, we, we win the bowl games. Yeah. We, we won eight, nine games a year, and it's, it's, it's unrealistic to expect a first-year head coach to come in and fix all the problems that this, that this program right. did have and also win nine, ten that, games yeah. on top of that. Yeah. So, you know, you got you to gotta buy in and you got to believe in the process, which I 100% do. Definitely. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast. We appreciate you. We love you. Um, not sure what we're going to be talking about next week. 
Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll maybe see maybe we'll talk in. about baseball again. I don't know. <laughs> maybe we'll talk about baseball. We'll see what's going on in sports again. Yeah, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, go Noles, as always. Go Noles. And uh, we'll talk to you all soon. All right. Peace out. See ya.